0: Hi, I'm Tao and I work at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California, and I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at tau underscore Integrity Lash. Cue the music, guys. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, We wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the LashCast Podcast, and here's your
1: host, Paul Lubers. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of LashCast Podcast. I have next to me my uh, dynamic duo duo of Tusty and Erica. (laughs) Welcome back.
0: Hello. Hey there.
1: How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. You excited? I'm so excited. Yeah, so we're always excited. excited. Always. It's going to be our words. It's going to be the exciting lash cast podcast. That's what we should call it. I think well,
0: we now. have a very special guest today. That's we why.
1: That's why. <laughs> we're very excited because this person that we have, which you will see if you look at our podcast, you'll see your name on there, but i won't wait to say her name yet, is that we are trying to venture out in a new direction with our podcast. We want to bring a lot of expert advice about lashes from lash professionals, but we also want to be bringing you people who are experts in their field, who really kind of open our eyes to other areas that maybe we don't have a lot of background in. And this person is really one of the best. She is a strategist and she has knowledge about social media and influencers like none other. And we're just fortunate because she's a guest and she comes to our salon and we've gotten to know her and we met her a couple of years ago at Cosmoprof and she was just really a breath of fresh air. The enthusiasm she had, the insights she had for social media was amazing and she's become a good friend of ours and we're really lucky to have her Her name is Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and we're very excited to have her join us today.
2: Hi, I'm hey welcome. There. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, there's Kendra. Now let me tell you a little about Kendra, just one more thing, because we didn't say, okay, well, she's a friend and she knows social media. Who, who, really? No, there's really, there's more there than that. She basically works for a company that you maybe heard about. If you work in Hollywood like I did for 15 years, everyone knows this company called CAA, Creative Artist Agency. They are definitely one of the biggest talent agencies in the world, if not the biggest. They are, when you, you make it there, you've made it the big game. you made it to the big time. Kendra started this company called the Brain Trust a while back, and she's the founder and they made a big impact helping companies with social media and influencers and all that stuff. Well, she got some people's attention, and since she got picked up, their company—I believe, maybe you can correct me—were you guys bought out or absorbed or how?
2: Um, A little bit of absorption, acquisition. There's a little buyout happening. Okay, cool. So yeah,
1: money was included in the process. That's always good. Um, So CAA GBG Global Brand Management Group bought them out or absorbed her and made them her chief digital officer. And that's a, a big title, by the way. If you don't know, if you're not in the corporate world, that's not like you know working at the barista or anything like that. That's actually you know kind of like being the CEO, CEO, but of the digital side thing. There's so. nothing
0: wrong with barista. No, we love baristas. <laughs> no,
2: but it's just, you're basically like I'm not the social media manager that's yeah. like fresh out of college.
1: Yeah, it's not an you intern job. a little job. experience. Yeah, <laughs> you've done this for a year or two and had some success along the way. So, anyhow, with that said, this company that she's working with, CAA Gbg, is a giant company. They're in influence is huge. You may not have heard of them before, but I'm sure you've bought products from them. They have $12.4 billion in retail sales this last year, $250 million in licensing revenues, 600 standalone stores, 100 plus countries are selling their products, and they have 25 offices in 21 different countries. So yeah, just is another run of the mill, small little company. <laughs>
2: 6,800 employees. 6,800 <laughs> employees. Yeah.
1: So yeah, not again, not your run of a mill company. And- Kendra's in charge of everything digital there and we're very fortunate to have her to bring the expertise. So thank you for making some time out of your day yes. and we're very fortunate this to have This is my
2: you. favorite place. This is the only place I get my lashes
0: done. So thank oh. you guys. Yeah, We're yeah. so honored. Yeah, that really is an
1: honor. In fact, we had a shout out, I think it was last year we were in her class and right in the middle of the class, oh, by the way, there's Tustin. that's where I get my yeah. lashes done. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool uh, to have that. Because if you don't know Cosmprof, we talked about that in a previous episode, but Cosmprof is really, a lot of the movers and shakers. Of our industry show up there. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to meet and greet, and we met Kendra there. Yeah. And so, for people to go there and for her to do that shout out was actually pretty big for us. We were like, it was "Actually,
0: one of my favorite moments." Yeah. <laughs> Hill, yes. <laughs> no, i rehearsed, yes.
1: So, anyhow, before we get started, we want to first get to know Kendra a little bit because obviously, um, a lot of our listeners maybe haven't heard about you, no offense. Yeah, but, that's uh, you're in this big corporation, where we're mostly people working all by ourselves in these little rooms all across America making women beautiful, but we don't have a lot of time to learn about the some of these bigger things. So, maybe you could tell us about you know, your background, why you got into beauty and social media, and kind and of how, your, it your, and how it all started, how it
2: all started. So, Thank you guys for having me. I, I like. I'm excited. I'm a guest. Yes. I'm like. I just did a little behind the scenes on my Instagram. At Kendra Bracken Ferguson, follow me. Um, so it's funny. I'm one of those people. When I was in sixth grade, I said I wanted to be a publicist, and I stuck with that. I literally. I remember I was watching the president, and someone reached over to him, handed him a piece of paper, and I was like, "Who is that? That's like the job I want." And it was the press secretary. And so that literally. Started my journey to do PR, and I said when I was in college, I wanted to get an internship at one of the top five largest PR agencies in the world. Um, I first was going to do sports, and I was working at the Indiana Pacers won a scholarship to get my masters and whenever i decided i was going off to new york i literally changed my whole course so i got offered a job at fleishman hiller one of the largest owned by omnicom and they said i had to be there within 2 weeks so i left indiana And I went to New York,
3: small town Indiana, Indiana, (laughs) went
2: to New York. Like my boyfriend now husband hadn't finished yet. So we like loaded me up, took me to New York. I stayed in nuns housing and that was like, (laughs) I made it, I'm here. Um, But it was really exciting. So at the time we weren't talking about social media or digital communications. I was writing press releases, going to desk sides. And then in 2002, we were in a conference room and I was the most junior person, and we were trying to figure out ideas for Singular Wireless, now AT&T, and I said, we should talk to MySpace, and everyone's like, MySpace? What's MySpace? And we literally flew from New York to LA, and we sat in this little conference room with six guys from MySpace, and we came up with this mobile music studio, and we took the unsigned bands from MySpace, and we turned their music into ringtones. So if you remember ringtones and ringback tones.
0: I, I used heard those. Yes. yes. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. We were the first ones to really create that. And that wow. changed my whole life. That's so, your
0: little brainchild, that's right? That's my little, yes.
2: <laughs> it's like crazy to think about it. And so, from that point on, I became known as like the social person. So, I, and this was like pre Facebook and like everything. So, I worked with MTV's VMAs and I'd be in message boards and forums, like talking about artists. So, fast forward, I ended up being the youngest VP at the company, leading the digital consumer team and spending a lot of time in hong kong and europe and japan and all over canada doing these boot camps and really helping people understand like what is this what is this platform what is this channel And it was just so funny, like, thinking back then to where we are now. So I, from there, was recruited to go to Ralph Lauren, and I was the first director of digital media. So I launched Ralph Lauren across all of social, and I reported into David Lauren. So we'd spend, like, three hours in his office, like, looking at fashion blogs. And it was was a really great time, and Ralph Lauren didn't have a computer, so it was, like, (laughs) printing out blogs for him to see (laughs) what we were doing. Wow. It was really cool. Cool. Um, and then I met my first business partner, Karen Rabinovitz. And one Saturday morning, I texted her. She called, and I said, I have an idea to manage bloggers. And she was like, me too. And yes. we put a website up that day on Wix. It was crazy. We got our husbands together for brunch Sunday, filed for an LLC Monday. And I went to David Lauren and was like, I'm going to manage bloggers. And he was like, as long as they're wearing Ralph Lauren. And so every <laughs> Friday, we like went to the Standard Hotel In New York, we met with bloggers and we gave them Ralph Lauren clothes. And that's how we started our first company. And at the time, this is 2009. Like no one even knew like what an influencer we called them bloggers were. And we would go to brands and we'd say, "You have to pay them. Like this is the future." And you know, fast forward to now, it's like seven figures, eight figures. So yeah. we were really the first in the space. The pioneers. Um, we were the pioneers. And I was not a good talent manager. Like within two weeks, I was like, "I am not a talent manager. <laughs> I'm a business person. I'm not gonna hold your back on the red carpet, (laughs) like (laughs) not happening. And so it was great because I grew the business. I taught myself finance and HR. I have a master's, but having a master's and running a company is like, you gotta be in the two different things. And so it was a great experience. And then that company was acquired and I literally was like, what do I wanna do? And we had spent so much time. We managed 175 bloggers. We opened an office in Hong Kong and Milan. And I was like, I'm just ready for the next adventure. I had a daughter and that like blew my mind. So what year is this? Can I this is in 2014. Okay. So 2013 was really when I was like, what do I want to do? And I just started seeing how the space was changing. So I remember like sitting on the couch and like brainstorming, like, oh my gosh. And I said, What have I learned? And it's that I love being around smart people. I don't ever want to be alone. I think as humans, we're meant to be in groups, and community, and communities. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like important. We should thrive off of each other. And so I was like, okay. And then trust is really important, especially like growing up in the industry and really understanding like who do you trust and having my own company I said I only want to work with people that I trust mm-hmm. like I, I can be at a place where it's not just about the money and it was like scribbling together brain trust and mm-hmm. then I really started looking at the history of brain trust and it was you know Roosevelt's new deal order and mm-hmm. how he called it the brain the trust. trust and when you look at what that really represents it was important to me so By day, we are a social media digital marketing agency. We pride ourselves in really understanding the connectivity between data and insights and strategy. So while posting a beautiful image on Instagram is important, it's not what social media is it's a tactical component to a larger strategy that should ultimately drive sales or new clients or email signups so we have a, a quite a unique perspective i think the last point is in terms of CAA and GBG when We started DBA, Digital Brand Architects, my first company. we were like, CA is going to acquire us. This is going to be great. And we were like looking on their website. And back then, CA had no website because they were CAA. And then we met people and they gave us this offer to acquire us. And it was like, are you kidding me? We're not doing that. And then they started literally poaching all of our talent. So we went through such an interesting, like... Moment of being Mm -hmm. this like little company working with bloggers to CAA working with celebrities. So then, to fast forward, to be in a position where you know I go to work at CAA every day, I have an office, I've It's like a really great feeling, and you know I'm like truly blessed and grateful to have that opportunity. But it really came about. We were working on social media in our office in West Hollywood, and Halle Berry was actually one of my clients from DBA. And I said, I'm leaving to start a company, and she was like, I'm going with you. And she was launching a brand and was like, Can you help me launch? my social media. And I was like, nope, I don't do that. I don't work with celebrities. I'm like, I work with brands. <laughs> and she asked me several times. And finally, I was like, okay, let's mm-hmm. do this. But it was such a great experience. And it introduced us to CAA in a new way. And so from there, they hired us to help Kelly Ripa launch her home line. And Will Smith with his Just Water line, And Drew Barrymore launched Dear Drew. And it was such an interesting time because we were so focused on brand brands. And we were able to pivot into celebrity-owned brands. And so that's really how the whole deal came about, was providing social media to help celebrities build their brands. Mm -hmm. And I literally, Perry, who's now my boss, as you guys know, I haven't had a boss in a long time, so I've run two companies, um, but he's great. And I said, like we should be partnering. And he's like, we should just acquire you. And I was like, check, that works too. Um, and so we literally moved into CAA's offices and CAA created a joint venture with Global Brands Group. Global Brands Group being the largest licensing manufacturing company. CAA having you know leaders in entertainment and talent to create this ecosystem system where celebrities could create their own brands. So we sit at the epicenter of that. We're the only social and digital agency resource and we service internal clients and we service external clients and we are very heavy beauty fashion lifestyle. We do, I'm happy to say, we now work with Fox Sports and Under Armour, so we've expanded, (laughs) Um, but
0: we have our core. I remember when you were working on this deal and just like you were sharing with us that you know you put together the first company very very quickly it seemed like this just happened like so fast all these opportunities <laughs> it's like I remember you coming in and I was doing your lashes and it seemed like you had a million plates spinning all, you know, (laughs) during the lash appointment. You're just like, you do this and you do that and we're going to do this and let me get them on the phone and they're going to acquire us. And it just seemed like it happened overnight for you. You
2: were literally like, when I write a book... You're going to be in there, Tessany, because you heard it all. Like, it was literally like we got the call, and you are like my therapist, my lash expert, my like best friend. Like, you literally heard the whole thing go down. And so, it's like it's always a special place because you like encouraged me to live my best, like, self on that table, and I get so much done. And it's really it's amazing like what you're able to do while someone is like selling a company yeah. and you're making
0: them look beautiful to go to the meeting. It's oh, really <laughs> sweet of you to say. I've just always just been impressed with your ability to spin those plates. And to be so charming. And it's like one of your gifts is with people. Even watching you moderate some of these classes that you did at Cosmoprof, just how your skill in being able to connect with an audience member who might be asking a really arcane, kind of funky question, but be able to honor that question and still give value to the other people who are listening and even the speakers. I think that's one of the gifts that you're actually you're just blessed with. And Thank it's you. just, you know, really good with what you do. Thank you so much. I love
2: Cosmo Prof and like having you guys in the audience, like you guys have literally been at my last three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are fans. Yes. We are yes.
0: fans. Yeah. Yes. In
1: fact, we now just plan to take a class every time we go. Yeah. It's like, okay, when's Kendra there? Okay, we'll make sure we're there.
0: It's always the you best know. one. Yeah. It you. really is it the
1: best one. So a lot of fan love going on right thank now. Thank but yeah, right. you know, we, we well, that's- really Think that's it's great. So.
0: That's one of the reasons why we wanted to have yeah. you because I know you have a lot of good things to say. And even when we were talking about you know, doing um, some social media, you had a lot of good things to share with us. And we were hoping that you could share some of those things with our audience. Um, I don't know if you want to get into it. Yeah, now. no. I yeah. think we
1: had two things that we were hoping to go over because every episode we try to have a focus. And this one, uh, because of your expertise, we said, well, duh, we're going to talk about social media. <laughs> and also influencers, because I think a lot of people don't have any idea. How do you work with influencers? We've tried and failed miserably, and I blame mm-hmm. ourselves usually. I think the big thing is a takeaway for our listeners is it's often something doesn't work, you always want to blame other people. I think usually when something doesn't work, look at yourself first and say, well, maybe it was me.
2: Oh, my like, God. It's user error yeah, all the time. I'm like, time. Uh, I think that was user error. Because
1: yeah. 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 other people are killing it doing this. So yeah. maybe it's not the influencers aren't working, maybe you just don't know how to use it right. So well
2: and I think the big piece that you said it's like being able to test and learn. Like it's one thing to say oh, I don't know what happened. I'm like done with it. It's it's another to admit that like, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I need to learn. But social media is the best place to test and learn any ideas that you have, content that you want to create or any tactics like influencers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing where a lot of people just try something and don't evaluate afterwards. I think we're not going to get into it, but you talk about metrics. We're saying, well, what type of things should we also talk about? And we'll say, well, we can talk about metrics and really understand the nuts and bolts of what is working, what isn't. But when you get into that stuff, It can get confusing it can be difficult be very mathy at times and i think but you do need to at some point go that deep into something because that's what's going to really validate your position that it works because anecdotal evidence is only that it really like oh we got a client who came in because we did a post Oh, it must have worked. Well, one client? I mean, that's not enough to justify all this it's effort and energy to program. do something. You really want to be able to say, well, we had this much engagement. Now there's engagement. We had this many people sign up. We got this many emails. So you have to have a measurement. But anyhow, we'll save that for another episode I think we talked about. Yeah, and I
2: think it's like with social media in general, whether we're like – going deep on metrics or not, I mean, it's always a matter of like, what is the value of my time, especially as a small business owner? I mean, and you talk about lash experts, like kind of being in their own room or their own studio. And, you know, it's like, I've started two companies where like my first company, my business partner and I, like, we sat on the floor, we like worked out of hotels. I mean, I started my second company and it was just me and trying to figure out like, Where do you put resources to create a company so that you can get clients? So that you can get staff, and then you talk about social media as a recruitment tool. Mm-hmm. So when you have to look at the metrics to see am I better suited doing that? Is my time more valuable to get an intern to help me with some of these things? And I think that's what metrics can all also help us because as entrepreneurs, the value it's 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 all us, and the value of our time is really important.
1: And I think we do that when it comes to our clients. We try to understand their cost per hour to work on a client, but I don't think we take building the business what's the cost for hour to build my business like yes. sit down and figure out okay I'm going to work as a lifestyle, child I'm going to work for six hours on clients yeah. I'm going to make this much money but afterwards I'm going to have to spend two three hours doing the other stuff which yeah. is social media uh, maybe the finances ordering product that stuff has to have a return at some point if it yes. doesn't maybe it's something you should cut out of your company and say okay it's not returning I'm, like if you're not doing social media well uh, maybe you shouldn't even do social media. Yeah, and
2: like what's the other tool? I mean, it's like the cost of goods sold. Mm-hmm. And like we have some clients who are like email has been their holy grail and they're converting with email. They're doing partnerships with other companies or brands so that they can acquire email list. So it is, it's looking at everything and it's like what's the cost of goods sold and why Is it important? We've been looking a lot, like when we talk about influencers, earned media value and the value of a fan. Mm. And it's really important, like what is the lifetime value of a fan? that interacts with you on Instagram or Facebook and then comes in and says, I saw this, and then they come in two or three times. We have a client who is a beauty, a makeup application, kind of like a dry bar for makeup. And we really started tracking like our influencer efforts. And we found that if we can get someone to go from Instagram or Facebook to their website and book an appointment, and then come into their environment, to their store, boutique, we needed that to happen three times to make up for what we spent Mm -hmm. to target that person on social. So those are the types of things whenever you have like a retail business and you're service-based and you know that you need to use social to get new customers, like understanding the lifetime value of that customer is really important. And you can only do that whenever you're looking at social beyond, like, I'm just going to post this content Mm -hmm. And it can get to be a little tricky, but if you can aspire to use your customers to gauge the value of what you're doing, then it's really important. And it's great because you have a physical place where people have to come and get a service so they can tell you how
0: they interacted. So, Kendra, can you share with us just like a little takeaway on how somebody could start to do that, how they could start to break that apart? Definitely. So, I think, you know, if
2: we look at this as like, I'm a team of one or a team of one, two, three, you don't have to reach out to 500 influencers. You can literally start to go on social. Facebook is great for targeting. So, you can literally target someone that's in Los Angeles that, you know, reads Vogue Magazine that has identified that they like beauty. Mm -hmm. And you can follow their profile and you can say, oh, this person talks about lashes. Mm -hmm. You can then reach out to that person. You can DM them. You can say, I'm the owner of Integrity Lash or whatever company. I noticed that you post about lashes. I'd love to come in and meet you. And from there, depending upon what they say, it's like, let's just come in. Let's have this relationship. And then you can say to them, okay, if you get five of your friends to come, traditional, like." referral marketing you know I'm gonna give you a free service for every five people that you come and whenever they come let me know that they come and so when you're not working with big budgets where you can put systems in place and someone clicks and you track them and then you know when they come you got to have a little hustle you got to have a little grassroots but the first step is like really doing the research to figure out who is this person that doesn't just like lashes but has the propensity to like what I'm offering or Or maybe you can tell that their income is this. I mean, you can go on channels and you can target people that have a certain income Mm -hmm. where this might be of use to them. And it's also not... So much about finding like beauty or makeup influencers as it is about finding everyday women that are talking about things that are going on that have a circle of influence. Mm-hmm. And it makes it a little bit easier because if you're just following like women in Pasadena and you're able to reach out to them and say, like, we see how busy you are. We'd love for you to get lashes. Oh, and bring five friends. Like the dynamics of doing that, you can start to like do it in bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. to see if it becomes valuable one to five turns into 10 to 20 Mm -hmm. very quickly Mm
1: -hmm. it scales and that's the thing too to make sure that you Make it worth your time because it's a cost of customer acquisition. Yes. So don't do something like, hey, if you give me one person, I'll give you a free set because now your cost is, for us, it'd be $300 to acquire that one exactly. client. So better is, like you said, five to one or whatever it is you can figure out that you can afford and you have to really think about because you're going to give away free lashes. That's mm-hmm. a cost to you, time and money, and just make sure you're getting enough for it that it makes sense for you financially. Yeah, because it, it
2: takes away from another customer yeah. or client or Someone else who you could service, who you know is going to be a full price long term.
1: Yeah. So don't be afraid of making mistakes. Have some value for you too. It's not just about giving that other person free lashes. They're going to love you for that. But yes. make sure that you're getting some real value back as a company. Because I think it's easy for us to do that. I mean, we've in the past we're like, oh, I'll give you everything. We're like yeah. way, way yeah. too much. And then we find out, wow, we're not really making money right now. We're really busy right. and we're not making any money because we give out all these free sets and stuff.
0: Well, uh, go ahead. Oh, I like what you said. You want to try to find an influencer that has a little influence. Yeah. Maybe like a Mommy and Me group, somebody yes. who's really yeah. active and sharing with her community all the tips for you know what her interest is, is, is raising a toddler, something exactly. like that. It's like a little grassroots movement that you have, and you can tap into her little sphere
2: And Facebook groups are great for that. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, they were moving away from groups and then they brought them back because they saw the power. Mm. And we were just with like a natural cleaning brand and talking about being able to get into those groups and have people talking about you. Like organically. It's organically. And it's amazing because these groups have like 500,000, a million people that you can touch and be part of. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what's important. And then the other thing is just like thinking outside of the box. So for example, there's a lot of women that go to award shows or go to events and they are buying tickets or maybe they're not the main celebrity, but they've just been invited to go. And we've started looking at targeting those people because they don't have makeup artists. They're also not getting a budget to do their makeup. But they want to go and they want to create this like, oh my gosh, I got invited to go to this event. And like looking at what's coming up, targeting those people, it's kind of the same of um, the seat fillers. Like finding those groups of people because it's like their profession, but they're not going to have...
3: A the profi- they're not going to yeah. have it
2: all. And those people are also, when you look at these niche audiences of people and where you can get in and where you can actually add value so that they want to post, because they have to post, because that's the only way they get invited.
0: <laughs> Different from
2: celebrities or influencers that have higher followings, they're going to get invited because they're already on the publicity train. But really looking at some of those niche audiences, seat fillers, people that get invited, business professionals, like I get invited to stuff all the time and I don't, they are not giving me a budget unless I'm a paid speaker. That's a great tip.
0: So if you wanted to find that out, would you go on Facebook and then you put those in the parameters? Somebody who goes to Emmys or someone mm-hmm. who goes to award shows, would you uh, I mean put-
1: parameters, you mean like in the search field? Or are you talking about hashtag searching? Or- so it,
0: there's two ways. If we're talking
2: about Facebook, you can literally go into like Ads Manager mm-hmm. where you're actually preparing to do your paid social post, and then you can put in all of the targeting parameters. Or if you go to Facebook right now and it'll say boost this or like this post, like right under your post, you click there and you can literally put in your parameters and then it'll show you how much you're spending and how big your reach is going to be. But I think that like you can do that and use that for research without having to spend Which is great. Good little hack there. Which is a good hack. Or like if you're on Instagram, and I know you guys can't see it, but we can take some screenshots. I just went on Instagram and did hashtag seat fillers and literally got 965 posts of people that are literally seat fillers. Mm-hmm. So, you like see lots of gowns, you see some glamour. See gra- I mean, mm-hmm. and we just looked at there's a girl, Sandberry21, and she has hashtag seat fillers, and it's a picture of her standing outside. Like, it's like, oh, Sanberry, sitting in a
1: chair or something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I mean, it's like, she's standing outside because you have to wait in line. But the ability to reach out to her and say, we know that you were just at this event. We love that you're a seat filler. We'd love to make you be beautiful and glamorous. And Uh like, We know, one, that Mm -hmm. she's going to the event, so we know that we're going to get some coverage of other people. We know, two, that she's already taking selfies of herself, Mm -hmm. so she wants people to know that she's going. She's hashtag seat fillers, so right then and there, we know that we're targeting the seat filler, which is the person that we want versus the celebrity. Mm -hmm. So there's just like some fun little hacks versus... Someone else who may not be posting a picture of themselves taking photos. We just found another one like these people are backstage at the BAFTA and they're seat fillers. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's three great girls taking uh-huh. pictures of themselves. Really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. Pretty cute. Pretty dresses. dresses. You know, there's hacks like that. And I mean, you can literally, we talk about the cost of time, but you could put that in scroll, you could save it. And then if you have a second, you can literally look and see if that person makes sense. So,
0: That is great. That is like out of the box thinking, Kendra. Thank (laughs) you. I just
2: happened. I was like, huh, seat fillers. (laughs) I'm Glad it worked. (laughs) Very
0: good. We just got
1: some new seat fillers as listeners too. Now that's really exciting. A whole new uh, angle. The podcast towards seat filling. That's what we need now.
2: Only in Hollywood does that work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Now, I I think one of the things that we've tried here, and I think we had some good success, which was I did do hashtags for, like, local stuff for Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And then I would reach out to people that I saw that were fans of Pasadena. And I invited some of them in, and we did do some free sets with the idea that they were going to become fans and start promoting us in their communities. Because you're right, these are small influencers. They're not, like... 50,000 they're, micros. they're yeah. micros they got like a thousand five thousand three thousand but when you're a salon or a single operator of one person you, you, don't, you don't need, you don't that, need much. that much right yeah, yeah. yeah and these people usually don't expect to get paid right there's yeah. not a they're just happy to get a free service a free product or something exchange yeah. right is there a certain benchmark that they need to aim for like well once you hit past 10,000 20,000 50,000 they're gonna start expecting to get paid for that
2: So that's a really good question, and we experience it kind of on all ends of the spectrum. Where we've had people with like twenty five hundred followers be like, "That's going to be one hundred and fifty dollars." To where we have some people that have like twenty five thousand followers and are just like so happy because no one's approached them in that category Mm -hmm. that they'll do it without a fee. Without a fee, Okay. okay. It's really tricky because it like some of it is its relevancy. Some of it is luck and time, like getting them in a moment wherever they need it. And then the other thing is just like making sure that it's unique. That's why it may be like a travel blogger may be different because, you know, a travel blogger, they might be getting travel-sized products from different mm-hmm. brands. They're probably getting a lot of product, a lot of backpacks. They get a lot of luggage, but they may not be getting lashes. Mm-hmm. And that's less about the size and more about the opportunity to give them something that they never post about and that it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like they get. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky, too. I mean, I think about, like some of our CAA talent as well as the CAA talent that are influencers and like, it's across the board. Like we did something with L'Oreal and they were even talking about how the same influencer was charging different brands, different amounts of money because the brands weren't talking to each other and they were like, we only have $5,000 and influencer was like, cool. And then the other brand was like, I only have 25,000 and they were like, cool.
3: Um,
2: We just do a lot with like the relationships, like- Not asking for anything, creating experiences, like bringing people in, like especially local people for like a wine and cheese night. But a lot of it is reaching out. We have this. We'd love for you to try it and starting the conversation. And it's okay if someone says, like, this is my fee. Then you say, okay, thanks. You know, thanks so much. If there's ever a time when you're looking for lashes and we can be of service to you, then like, we'd love to work with you. It's okay to say no, but it's like, the draw of like what they influence, they're independent. I mean, that's a whole other podcast that we can do mm. versus like finding the ones who don't seem to be represented. Mm. And then I think the one thing about the micro influencers is, and it sounds like for this audience, they are the right mix because you also have to think if someone has like a thousand followers, is it better to try and reach out to someone who has? Maybe 8,000 to 10,000 followers for the time that you're spending to reach out to give you just a little bit more in terms of audience and engagement. Because, you know, we classify really anyone under like 10,000. We're going up to like 30,000 as micro. Mm -hmm. And those people, they know that they're not like, Condé Nast and some of the big media publishers won't even talk to you unless you have at least 10,000. Mm-hmm. And now it's really getting to be like 100,000. Wow. So those people that were like, oh, I hit 10,000. Now it's like, nope. Here's so another hurdle here's for another you. another hurdle. So yeah. they're still trying to work with brands because they still have to get a lot of content. So to do a whole story on lashes and to be able to tag, like, they still need to show that they're working with brands and companies. So sometimes they're more likely, even in that 10 to 15
0: to 20, to do
2: things for in-kind services.
0: Very cool. You mentioned something earlier. I just wanted to have you speak on it. Two things. You said you might want to do like a wine and cheese night. And I've heard you say, you know, like little events like that. If you could talk about that and that being like one tool to like put on an event. And the other. Like
1: what a lash salon. Like what yeah. someone could do, a single operator or a couple people. A yeah. so, little event that would be an outreach that would create some excitement. And like you said, engagement, maybe social media and so forth. So, yeah, why don't we one. start with that start
2: question with that, and i the, yeah. the next one. I mean, so events are great. Like we love Disney. Digitally activated events is what we call them because you're doing an event so that you can get influencers in and capture content, mm-hmm. which is different than like when you just used to do an event and you didn't really care the outcome of it. We like doing that because influencers like to interact in real life. And I think that for you guys, knowing that the service, I know, you know, our service here, you know, we're looking at like a two hour Type of process So if you do an event And you get 20 people You're clearly not doing lashes But you can bring people in You can partner with like I mean where you guys are located yeah. is great because you could say, do you want to have a nail person come in? Do you want to have Other like, vendors. Other or vendors. Product like, lines are Product there. lines. Like you guys have great jewelry here. Do you want to bring in like a jewelry person? So you could do like a wine and cheese. We're going to have appetizers, partner with the local restaurant. You know, we're bringing in this like great, um, I love how Pasadena has their list, which I got from you guys, which is the only reason I voted to vote for you. <laughs> but, you know, Thank bring you. in some of those like restaurants and then it becomes a really fun event And then you can say, like, enter for your chance to win, you know, so like maybe every hour we're going to give away a free set of lashes because you shouldn't be giving them away to people that come. But if you create something and you bring in other people that they might want, you can use those people to entice people to come in and Mm -hmm. then you can still give away a lash. But it's like once people come in and they can see it then it breaks down the barrier mm-hmm. of entry and making them feel comfortable. So we love events, we love pop-up events. I know it's a little harder to do that outside of, you know, your space, but anything where you can partner with other like-minded businesses, organizations, people, events are still really
0: popular. And when you say pop-up event, it's at like doing your specialty or whatever it is. On somebody else's location. Exactly. Because it gives other people chances to, what you said, capture content, which I like that, (laughs) and just to be engaged. Yeah.
2: And, you know, it's like, even for you guys, like going to The Grove and partnering with The Grove and doing like a pop-up. In the summer, there's a lot, you know, my New Yorker, it's like a lot of pop-ups that happen in the Hamptons. There's, you know, finding like really cool places where groups of people are Mm -hmm. and doing something that's different and offering a service. Um, It's really, it's great. And it puts you in a new environment so that it opens you up to another community.
1: And I think some last stylists are thinking, well, my service takes too long. And that's our problem we found. We've talked about doing a pop-up and went... It's just too long But there's other services So maybe you do brows too I mean a lot of lash stylists Are estheticians And do brow shaping So maybe You don't do your specialty But you're, if you're good at brows You can do something That's a 10 minute service Or 5 minute service That's in the public space Like the Grove Or something yeah. like that And
2: maybe it's a demo
1: Or a demo yeah, yeah
2: Like you know We do a lot of demo Especially Sally Beauty's one of our largest clients And you know There's such amazing hair um, Or even makeup mm-hmm. And at a lot of our events We're doing hair shows, but we're getting there early. We're like doing the hair and then we're talking through it. Or we have a demo with our own models and people can come and then we're doing lots of giveaways. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it could, you know, like I know that it's different from lash versus like hair, but the art of it and having people there. I mean, every time I get my lashes done, everyone's always like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So you can see the difference, Immediate difference. You can yeah. see an immediate difference.
1: And just make sure you, you in that sense of a demo, because we've done the shows now. We were at IBS this yeah. year on the floor, and we had a camera right there, and we had a big enough, I guess, I wish it was bigger, TV. And we yes. just showed it so people would walk by and they could see what we're doing, and they could make comments or chuckle if they it wanted. It created interest. It, it definitely it, created it interest. It helped capture
0: yeah. people as they were walking by, yeah. and then we'd have conversations with people.
1: Yeah, and talk about our training and our podcast, basically. So, yeah. But that visual stimulation got people to want to engage and talk talk to you so I mean if you're going to do something like that it doesn't cost much either a TV right. what TVs now are like they give them away free at gas stations or whatever so they're, <laughs> yeah.
3: it's and a so, couple right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: whatever they're so cheap now but that said your TV and a little camera and I, we've used our iPhone once Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't have a camera so I just grabbed my yeah. iPhone plugged it in and I, there it was, the I image mean, was on don't there.
2: underestimate like the power of iPhones and Apple TV
1: Yeah.
2: I mean the ability to really show and capture great content I mean the barriers to create content so small now so small yeah And it's like, I love there's a site called Later, Mm -hmm. and it's an app where you can schedule posts to go on Instagram. But I love Later because they have so many tutorials and they also give you like the filter templates. Mm -hmm. So they give you tips on like how to edit your photos. You can edit there, you can set up the template so that every time you do an IG story, it's like the same. So if you have a phone and it doesn't even need to be like an X, I saw someone taking photos with the four the other day, and i was like, nice. that's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a little crazy. You are bold. <laughs> you are bold. But because there's so much editing and filters yeah. and you like magic happen. sticks, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I know a lot of our audiences, they just feel overwhelmed with social media, especially Instagram. Instagram is a really big deal for lash artists. Mm-hmm. Or it seems to be what they naturally want to gravitate towards. Yeah. So for any of our listeners who are just overwhelmed and they don't, maybe they're just starting their business or they don't know how, you know, to break into that whole thing. What would you say are some important things for them to do or maybe not do? So it makes sense in this category that Instagram, because it's so visual Mm -hmm. and you can really tell beautiful stories. I think, one thing about Instagram now is that starting out on Instagram it's really hard. Mm. You know, we could have a whole conversation about the algorithms. I mean, we're over at Instagram and Facebook's offices and it's like you figure it out and then like something changes and, and then change you don't see it. it for 4 days in your feed. I would say that if you're going to do Instagram, figure out a little bit of paid social budget. Like mm-hmm. there's a few key pillars like One, before you go on Instagram, figure out your content strategy. And it doesn't have to be highly produced, but it needs to be consistent. Like, who are you as a brand? What do you represent? You know, Are you going to be lifestyle? Is it just going to be about lashes? Are you going to go beauty? Are you going to go makeup? Like, figure out your point of view because that will help you stay consistent so that one day you're not at a restaurant and you're posting a chocolate cake, which Uh literally
0: just happened with one of our beauty clients
2: because they were like, this is beautiful. And I'm like, nope, nope.
0: No, no, not what we're doing. So you're not talking about just like the way that it looks visually, but just what the content is actually. Like for for the lashes, you see sometimes a lot of people posting lashes, and then they'll show pictures of their kids. Kids are adorable, but it's not the same. Yes, not the brand. And if you want
2: to do that, then that needs to be your personal channel. Like, and I think it goes back to you know, are we B to B? Are we B to C? Is this? Am I the owner? So I'm going to have a mix of everything. Like I have a personal channel and I have a brain trust channel. Mm And, like, you have to differentiate for what you're trying to do because whenever your resources are limited if you can go back to like the essence of who you're trying to reach and what your content pillars and what your brand is then it'll help otherwise you are every time you're walking down the street let me post that let me Mm. grab that oh my god this user, yeah Yeah, because (laughs) you haven't taken the time like I say to people don't just like jump into social media because you're a great photographer or because you think you have great content like really hone in on what is it that you're gonna show, what are the different pieces that you can show to still tell your whole story. That's kind of like number one. Mm-hmm. Look at the tools. Like, there's no reason why social media has to be as hard when if you can figure out your brand and you can, you know, you can go to Getty, you can go, there's so many places to get great images if you know that you can't capture all original content. And not capturing original content is fine. Scroll through. User generated content is great because you can tag people, you can get mm-hmm. other people coming to your page. We generally do a mix of user user-generated content along our original content so that we can be social. But you have to make sure that you know the parameters. What's your color scheme? Are you using borders? You see how people get so fancy and it's like, I'm only going to do you know chopped in the middle with white mm-hmm, or I'm mm-hmm. going to do grids where it tells a story if you're doing those like full photo grids you have to post 3 a day forever mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like yeah. which means that you're using 3 pieces of content when you could do something just as beautiful with, with one, one. Yeah. so it's like go and look at other accounts that you really like figure out you know who you are look at the tools there's later there's hootsuite figure out content and then like schedule it because if you're a lash, expert and you're doing lashes all day the last thing you want to do at 7 or 8 o'clock I mean I'm about to get my lashes or i have done forever and like yeah. are you really at 9.30 going to be like let me go post so look at your schedule and your calendar and then say okay I'm not going to be able to post for five days let me get these five photos let me go on later let me schedule it let me put tags in so that your resources aren't drained every day in your head like what am I going to post mm-hmm. and some of that happens on like a Sunday while you're watching TV and then I think if you're truly going to do it growth hacking and paid social growth Growth hacking hacking. not from like fake accounts or not from bots but literally working the channels so we say to our clients every week you should find 50 to 75 new accounts that are in your space that all week you're going to follow you're going to comment and commenting not just to heart but like leaving a comment on your own channel, everybody that leaves something, you at least like heartache, you figure out too. That's like, and that's what the channels will tell you. That's true growth hacking. Mm -hmm. Bots are not real because they don't do anything for you. It's better to have an account of 500 people that are engaged with you that you Mm -hmm. talk to on a regular basis than 10,000 people who are fake because they're never going to have real audiences. They're not really your tribe. They're not really your tribe. And it's less about the quantity now Because there are so many fake things and more about like that level of engagement. So that's like pure play growth hacking. Identify 50 to 75 accounts each week that you can follow, that you can comment. Make sure that you comment on everyone who's commenting on you. Mm -hmm. And then the next piece is just paid social. So, and paid social people think you have to spend $10,000, $100 what it does is it triggers to Facebook and Instagram that you're spending money. Mm. So people that spend money are automatically viewed differently in the algorithm. Of course, if you're spending ten thousand yeah, dollars, you'll be everywhere. You'll be everywhere. <laughs> but a little bit can go a long way mm-hmm. if you're targeting if you know who your customer is. So, but it's important. Just and like. Doing it through Instagram and Facebook is so easy now that I just say to people, you gotta spend like just a little bit budget for it. Figure out how to do it, but to spend so much time in content and posting and then not do what the platforms want you to do
0: to just help get it's a little defeating bit defeating yourself, yeah. With energy. So you said a hundred dollars. Would you say that's the minimum that you could go, could you do for less? Or you
2: can do it for less. I think like Facebook is. Easier. Well, Instagram too, because you can use like Ads Manager, you know, where you Mm -hmm. distribute your ads, but just look and see because we, you know, I've like gone on and I've been like, okay, for $50, I can get this, but for $100, look at how it opens up my world. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can go on and spend $5. So it's not a hard and fast, but. Once you start to see what you get by spending this versus spending that. It's like more bang for your buck, yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I found that using boosting versus going to the ad manager, I found the ad manager much more powerful tool and much more useful tool, also for retargeting purposes yes. and all that. While wow, I felt like boosting I just spent money that just got me likes. Exactly. Or or some followers. I mean it's not bad. You want followers, you need the, that's yeah. how you start, right? The wide funnel. You just get followers uh-huh. and then you start <laughs> taking them in and to get an engagement. But for your experience, I mean, if someone is gotta choose, they're like trying to figure out their money, like where do I wanna go? I would think for my advice, I'd say learn how to use ad manager. Me too. And that's hands
2: down. Like boosting is just like if you're there and you're like, what do I do? It's easy because you just click. Yeah. Ads manager, retargeting so much in terms of demographics, profiles, acquisition. I mean, you can drive people to sign up for email. And ads manager, Facebook is great. Like They have blueprint, And they will teach you everything you need to know. Um, Is that a
1: program they have in there? Yeah. It's called Blueprint. It's called
2: Blueprint. And it's literally like, I mean, our teams, even now they have to go through training hmm. because facebook does such a great job so like even in our teams like reviews there's a check for did you complete your facebook blueprint <laughs> because every time they boring. make an update they put it in there so whenever you go into facebook you can just search facebook blueprint okay. and then it any topic like paid social boosting ads manager wow.
1: Wow, that's that's great.
0: That's
1: a tool there. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that's, for me, I would encourage people, just skip the boosting, take a little bit more time, it looks like. Learn how to to use ad manager. Actually, the first thing to do is learn how to make your business on Facebook actually a yes. business. <laughs> Thank right? you. Uh, Paul took us
2: back to the basics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have,
1: if you don't know how to do that, just Google it. There's a thousand places they'll tell you how to change your page yeah. over. If you're not yes. doing it, if you're using it as a personal page, you're losing all the power that comes from having it as yes. a Yes, and
2: even on Instagram, I mean, yeah. I'm even debating personally. I'm like, oh, should I switch to a business page because you just get so much more insight and yeah. data and like if you're a last professional you are a business that goes back to like am I using this because I'm a person and I want to show or am I really gonna mm-hmm. support my business? Yeah.
1: No, definitely changing that over again, Google it, it'll tell you how to change it. It's really easy. Yes. Uh, I think it's easier than the Facebook page. I think the Facebook page <laughs> takes a little more work. But that said, you get more tools available, and the analytics pop in then, and you can really start checking the success of your posting and all that. Um, now, w- one thing I thought we would talk about is another area would be about Instagram, since I, this is your thing. They have three tools that we all can use, yeah. and that's the wall, the stories, and Instagram TV, IGTV. Mm-hmm. And I think all three of those, it can be overwhelming, especially if you're a new stylist and you're like, I just want to get going. I just want to get some excitement out there. But I, I have three things I have to do now yeah. when I'm looking online. That's a lot of work. I mean, maybe you could tell some someone who's kind of new or just getting started yeah. a strategy or what's most important, where they're going to get the most bang for their buck with their time and their energy.
2: So according to Instagram, Instagram waits from a back end of their algorithm based upon how the feed looks. So IG stories, IGTV, and then wall. They literally say like you have to post on IG stories. It's like three to five times a week, and that's actually more valuable than doing a straight wall post.
3: Wow. So,
2: and the engagement, like the engagement rates we're seeing are, are just getting so much higher on stories because people are tapping. With IGTV, we're trying to do some tests to see because it's still so new, so it hasn't quite affected Mm -hmm. the algorithms. But IG stories, hands down, like you have to do it. It's not enough to just post on the wall, which is great because IG stories can be so much more real-time, and then you can save your wall post. But one of the hacks that we've been doing is, especially for IGTV we'll literally take a day and we'll knock out like 10 videos for IGTV and then we'll cut those videos up one will be like for the wall and then the rest will cut up for IG stories. Mm-hmm. So it's like we figure out with IGTV, okay, here's like our topics, mm-hmm. we're gonna film, but it's basically using one content day mm-hmm. to give you enough content to fuel the other ones because you still need it. We still have a lot of people that are like, I'm not sold on IG TV, and we're like, that's totally fine, but you gotta do stories yeah. over and over and over again. So if you're literally looking at your week and like there's only a few things I can do, IG stories, hands down, catch up with the wall post. And if you find yourself having like a chunk of like three hours, just start filming IG TV. And you can do it on your phone. So mm-hmm. it you don't necessarily need to be in a studio. But just start trying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the strategies I recently learned from a Gary V fan, yeah. and he shared this whole strategy of how he builds his content... And he goes, it's just all about the long form. He gets these long form his yeah. keynotes, his rants, he goes on on yeah. video. And then he takes his staff, takes those, and cuts them up and cuts them up. Yeah, and, and the then graphics they, they cre- and
0: then put the words yeah. on them.
1: Yeah. So they'll go in, they'll, they'll create content. a, a yeah. wall post, and then they'll create a story sequence, and then they'll go on and create a IGTV host. And then they've, of course, had the swipe up. If you don't have 10,000 followers, sorry, mm-hmm. to, you know, link in the bio. And, and he does that. And that's it all starts with a lot, one long form. So I think for people to start thinking, thinking, Thinking that way, like, hey, I'm going to go and shoot a 10-minute video for my clients telling them about how to clean their lashes. And what's cool from that one video, they can take that put that on IGTV, but then put that cut it up into stories. I yeah. what There's an app now that you can take yeah, and, edit, you can, and put on stories it for, for, you. for you after yeah. what it's called. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you can take that one wall post and just take a snippet, mm-hmm. and, and then you can use that snippet and say, hey, go to my IGTV for more information. So you're creating this little It's loop. like a circle. So yeah, it's 360.
2: Re- 360.
1: And what I think what's cool there is what he talked about is then taking user generated content. So yeah. people respond to you, yes. you screenshot it, you respond back in videos, and then you can repost that. Exactly. So now you're no longer the lone creator, you actually have people creating content for you, and you're just engaging with them, yes. and you're showing them off, and people love to be featured. Oh, they love and to be yeah, featured. Yeah, yeah. Any thank yous or shout-outs, they're going to go crazy for that. Yeah. So people are going to see that you're alive and engaging. So, And this doesn't require you to spend every day six hours. Like you said, maybe you just block off a Sunday afternoon. Yeah,
2: and just film, film, film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the best... It's like such a great way to maximize resources and content and then to your point to create a loop that's like promoting. And it goes back to what we said, like don't underestimate UGC content. Your feed should never just be like you Mm -hmm. because you want to be social and especially like as an entrepreneur, it gives you a chance to interact organically Mm -hmm. and to create a conversation loop that just gives you more engagement.
1: Yeah. And another thing too to remember, I think for people that I see too often stylist doing it's just trying to sell. Like yeah. They're just trying to get buyers every time. Yeah. Buy, this. buy this. Buy this, buy that. Sign up, yeah. up yeah. now. Sign up you know. this. And it's like- Give need, me this.
0: Give me that. Give, yeah. You have
1: to give people value. You have to give them you something. You've got
0: to add they, value first. They yeah. want to
1: like engage. They want to learn from you. They want to be educated or entertained. I know yes. some people are just really funny, <laughs> so I don't care. You don't, I don't learn anything, but I laugh every time I look right. at your post, right? I feel
2: better. Yeah, it makes me happy. It makes
1: me smile. So I always think educate or entertain. Those are my two E's I use when I talk about- it. Now, I don't abide by any of these rules. If you go to our wall, and you'll see none of that. And
2: entertain. Let's yeah. all tweet that right yeah, now. that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, that then, and then don't go to our yeah. page because you won't see any of that on yeah. our
0: page. <laughs> this is inspirational this stuff. Is, yeah. These yes. are inspirational goals. It's
1: easier yes. to say than do, actually, because it takes work and time, and that's mm-hmm. for us. I mean, we use the stories. Yeah. I think you've talked about that, the stories. I've seen a lot of great growth on our page. Just because I do stories, that's easier for me to do. Mm-hmm. The hard part is the wall post for some reason. Oh, my gosh. The the thought that goes behind it to just yes. make it look right. I So Good we, we do very... yeah. We do but very I like little what she
0: said. You know, do it ahead of time. Take one day, bang it out. Use later. We'll have to use that one yeah. so that we can line it up and get some structure going there. Yeah, yeah.
1: no, definitely. Yeah. So that's great. Um, this is
2: great. You guys, I'm just looking at your. Oh yeah, our
1: main wall is highlights. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's all, Erica. Erica is our artist and in-house uh, genius when it comes to this like stuff. She's is <laughs> very
0: Fantastic. blessed with the design.
1: Yeah. Um, before that was me and Erica. We'll tell you. Was it good? No. No. (laughs) Well, I still don't think it's good, but I'm super critical. Yeah, Erica has a very high standard, but but that's good because it means it's only going to get better. So that's actually pretty cool. One thing too, I I wanted to go back to, and this is something more about the influencer side, because when we, we failed miserably, like I said earlier with influencers, and that's mostly because we just didn't do our homework or didn't understand the process. Yeah, or user User error, Paul error. Um, but one of the things I—it's I, hard to know is to decipher a real influencer versus a wannabe influencer yeah. because it's so easy now to go out and get followers, buy and all that stuff, yeah. get your Russian following going. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, how do you vet people? How do you, if when you're looking at someone, you, obviously you guys have much bigger stakes here. You're dealing with millions yeah. and, or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you're not just, you know, like, just let anyone into that party. But maybe on a smaller scale, maybe there's some tips or ideas you can help people see through, make sure they're really getting something that's going to help them versus just take advantage of their brand.
2: I think the biggest time-consuming piece of our jobs with influencers is discovery, mm-hmm. because it is. I mean, you can use there's some great platforms out there. Like we love Creator IQ, we love Influencer, like we love the platforms, but we still have to do so much work. And what used to be that we would go to an influencer, we would like make sure that they had been posting, you know, yeah. if they posted in the last week, we now go back three years. Oh wow. Um, and we're going back to check for anything that they may have said, any conflicting brands. Mm-hmm. Did they change their stance? At one point they were vegan and now they're really not, you know, like yeah. we go back and then we're also doing a lot in what we call audience architecture. So really figuring out like who is their audience. And is their audience going to be the right in terms of conversion for us? So that we've been spending a lot of time just in that phase. So like for Sally Beauty, they wanted to promote their natural hair care products so, we literally looked at influencers that had curly, coily, kinky, wavy hair. And then that was kind of our first base. Then we looked at influencers who shopped at like Sephora, Ulta, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and Target, and who like mentioned those stores. We then looked at influencers who organically mentioned products that were already sold in Sally. So, even if you're not buying a product there, Sally still has it. And that was like one layer. Then the next layer was we went through their comments and it was like, you know, is someone saying, oh, I just got this at Sephora, or I'd love to try Sally, or I don't like this product, and then we started weeding out. Based upon their audience, because for Sally, we knew that it was easier to convert someone from a Target or a Walmart than a Sephora or Ulta. Mm -hmm. And so it was important that not just the influencer, but their audience Audience. Mm. matched up. And then, I mean, like not even to get too nitty gritty, but natural hair influencers that just became natural because there was like a whole thing like were you natural three years ago? Or were you just trending? So you just became like mm-hmm. there was all these how other, authentic, like, are, you? How authentic yeah. are you? The authenticity mm-hmm. piece. So mm-hmm. we have to spend a lot of time and there's no tools that can analyze the comments Because anyone can say they do sentiment, but like you killed it, Sally, is like negative when it's really positive. Mm. So we have a team that's literally just going back three years, doing all the checkpoints, and then we're starting to match for brand affinities, competitive relationships, like Mm. you couldn't have just been talking about someone's competitor last week, even if you're really great. So it is like the setup of who you reach out to is almost just important as the outreach. So that you're Basically, increasing your chances of having a positive outcome and decreasing your chances of risk that
0: you've wasted time or having to come back and apologize, or you know, something unfortunate comes up in the media and you're like, You that person supported this, yes, and yeah. that can be quite close so. We're gonna take Trump yeah. off
1: as our influencer for our <laughs> <laughs> he, he just, like, just he he's said something, there. yeah, he's, he never uh, was, one he of never our was, yeah. but <laughs> okay, just put that out there, yeah, just be, be clear, but I I, I that's a good
2: point. Or like point. someone who, sorry, sorry, Paul, yeah, go like, ahead. you know, someone who has gotten lashes, but then you go back and they're like allergic to lashes or they don't like lash extensions or, you know what I mean? Like, think mm. about the comments that have been said about it. Like, there's people that you know and even when i talk about coming here they're like nope i just want to get like the that little strip and like that's not even worth your time like mm-hmm. it, you know converting that person may not 900%. it's like a yeah. different person yeah. so it's like even just taking time to drill into that and like the conversations that they're having with people if if someone is talking about their lashes and their fans comment like What's that conversation? What are they saying? Is that like the comments that you would want them to say about you? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm Because it's so specific.
1: So really going into, let's say someone comes to us, has 5,000 followers and wants to be an influencer for us. So I go into their page and I take a look and make sure they're posting, make yeah. sure that, that day there's a story hopefully up. So okay, so they're doing some work. And then I also want to look in and see maybe what hashtags they're using to see who they're trying to attract. Yes. Like I thought of this one gal um, who approached us and everything was sex. I mean, it was yes. just all sex. So I went to her followers, looked them at them it's all guys. Yeah, <laughs> they don't buy lashes. The last I checked. And oh I'm like, my
3: gosh! So yes, I'm like, I'm sorry. I have no
1: interest in you. I'm glad you got a lot of guys following. But maybe you should sell sex toys or something. But Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But we're not it. You know. I mean, it's just not the right brand. So that I avoided that one mistake. But yeah. I realized I didn't do that for all the other people. And also, I think how can you check on their engagement? Is there a way to see if they're really connecting with people? So
2: we use a few just like formulas on our own, like. For some influencers, we have really great first party data, which, like, something like a creator IQ is great because they have that data and it's running through their platform. Otherwise, our team is looking at how many followers they have, and then they take, I think it's like 20 to 25 posts, and then they're basically seeing, like, what's their average engagement, mm-hmm. so that then you can get a feel if. You know what I mean? If they're going to have good engagement, if yeah. it's like real engagement versus fake engagement, is it over 1%? So there's things that you can just do yourself, which is just like basic math. If you have this many followers, you get this many comments and you generally do, like your engagement rate is 25%. Or it's, but that's also important for niche audiences because you would expect, like we. I was just in DC on Friday and we were meeting with the US Senator and we were looking at her competitors and her competitors that had smaller followings had such higher engagement, oh. which makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get this like picture of what it is, but then it's not real. So that's where it's like you have to really take the engagement and really understand you like, do what your your, yeah, you have to do your homework because even like for her, she had a lot of negative comments but there was a lot that was going on in the news and it was actually great because it gave her a chance to speak out on different things and the engagement was just also very skewed because you also have to look at like what's going on in the world when you're posting something i mean not i know the analogy between a politician in dc and like lashes is just <laughs> different <laughs> with everything going on in the world but it's like You know, it translates for us. I mean, we have Under Armour, we have Fox, then we have Sally Beauty, then we have Black Mm Opal, then we got a politician. Like, but we're still using the same best practices Mm -hmm. and for each thing, for each thing, industry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, one of the things I know, like a salon nearby us. They have actually overnight they got like ten thousand followers, or whatever it was, <laughs> and um, and then they get a lot of likes. But then they follow their engagement and oh, their the comments. But they yeah. are, there's no comments now. Is that one okay. of the things like don't just look at likes because likes can be also auto-generated.
2: Yeah, that's like what we were saying. You can buy likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likes. Yeah, likes.
1: But the thing you can't really buy, which is true engagement, is the actual comments. Exactly. I mean, they can do bots and put fake stuff, but you always like we get them once in a while on our page someone's like. Beautiful picture, and it's like a picture of tweezers or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like, what? what? That, that's sure. so. That's so sure, hot. Buddy. That's yeah, so hot. You know, it's like Thanks. okay. My, Oh, hot you tweezer. can see it.
2: I'll get that too, and mm-hmm. I'll be like, and what people have to be careful of is like, if you click, like, you know, how they're like, oh, come to my page, oh, and like yeah. the channels themselves don't do a good job of cleaning out bots, so you can get bots and like not even realize it, or if like mm-hmm. someone signed you up, or you know, people, mm-hmm. it's like crazy.
1: Yeah. So minefield.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I guess the big thing is that you have to do a little research, but You'd say made 20 posts is good to look at, and then if you see enough real engagement, which real comments, real feedback, people going back and forth. And then I the next thing to think about is, I've always heard this f- idea of engagement formula, like 1%, 3%, what's a mm-hmm. good percentage? How do you get that number, and how do you measure it? Because I think for most people, they have no idea how to do that. So
2: we started saying to a lot of our brands that there's like some industry standards like in traditional advertising, but it's also hard to compare different brands. So we're like, look and see what your engagement rate, how are people engaging against different content and kind of like measure against yourself. Like if you do a post and you know, you usually get about five comments and then, you know, one day you don't get any, then like, why was it the image? Was it the time of day that you posted? That's why like those analytics are so key because it's hard to compare like your engagement with the salon who, you know, overnight they bought 10,000 followers and they're literally putting money into likes. Like it can't be the barometer of what your success looks like. Mm-hmm. So especially as you're getting into it, like pay attention. Like, did you do something that set off more? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is tagging. You know, I subscribe now. I am not the day to day, and my team laughs at me. I subscribe to thirty hashtags. Like when you uh-huh. went to my social, I'm like one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And then I subscribe to like using all twenty of my tags, and my team is like, Kendra, you don't have to do like my, like my head of digital strategy is like, <laughs> you don't need it. Um, But I see the difference when I use it in my own personal channel than Mm -hmm. when I don't. So, And that's what I figure out for myself. I mean, that's not true for our brands, but I think it's like really spending the time and like you can compare other people in terms of content in your industry, but like really hone in. Like, what is your audience like? How long does it take people to comment? And is that because you post it at a different time? Like, If you go in and most of your audience is in LA, then you know what your posting time are or if you notice that people like when you put the white like I saw some of them are a little bit lighter than the close up of the lash then like as much as you want to show the lash do the lighter like Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get that from looking at other people I am a fan of looking at competitors and adjacent brands to see what they're doing and to get ideas Mm. but to also say like I'm my one true brand and like that way of shooting a lash may not be authentic for me
1: so looking like a hair salon what So, you can see what their best practices are and and be inspired. So, you're not so much just having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: mean, look at like health and wellness sites. Look at, you know, big box retailer sites. Like, because it also, sometimes when those brands have more resources, you're like, oh, that was really cool. Here's how I can do it in my own way. But we're big fans of like looking outside of the industry, the travel industry, National Geographic, amazing. Like, I love no content. Yeah, you know what me. I mean? And of yeah. course, they can do it because it's aspirational. But when you look at the post, it's like it's the emotion that you get. It's the mm-hmm. feeling. It's the crispness. It's feeling yeah. like you're somewhere else. So it's I like if you're, you know, lashes, can you take that lifestyle feeling and like literally put someone in a different environment, like lashes in unusual places? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's like by going Ca- outside, you can start to test and learn back mm-hmm. to where we started of like what you can do to get engagement.
1: A page called Odd Lashes. I think that's going to be huge on <laughs> <laughs> Every woman will want to go to look at that. Odd Lashes. Yeah. No. One of the things I remember, and we're going to have to wrap up. We're running again, going late here. But I remember it was like a couple years ago, and you shared this. I, um, you actually threw out a bunch of pages or people to follow, and like half of them weren't even like beauty p- pages. They yeah. were like, I think if I remember, I think I got Cool Hunter from you. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. God. Yeah. You
0: cool guys, oh, my, oh, my yes. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh love cool
1: I've It's one of my favorite pages now. I can't wait to see every day the stuff oh that that my pl- page posts. But, um, but, but It's like
0: she, what you're saying. It's like the National Geographic, the crispness, the, the spirit though. of the pictures. Yes. There's, there's something different about them.
1: And it gets you thinking a little differently. And, and also, I remember you showing a bunch of brands mm. that you were really excited about how they do things. They weren't beauty brands, but they're just doing cool content. Yeah. And it was great just following these people. I just followed all of them because you said, follow these people. <laughs> all right, Kendra, whatever you say, I, I do. And it was great because I began to get new ideas and, thinking yeah. about, and it helps you think a little bit outside the box. So I think yeah. you're right. We kind of get so stuck last. Slash, lash, yes. or beauty, beauty, beauty that we kind of miss out an opportunity to, to grow and be inspired by other um, places oh, or other Paul, companies. Oh, that's so <laughs> great. Yeah. So,
0: I know we have to wrap up here, but I do have one last question that was in the back of my head as you kept talking. And you might have mentioned it earlier, but... Can you share with us like the best way to engage somebody, like uh, an influencer, yeah. uh, from the small mom or the small audience person to a larger person? What is the best way? Is it like DM? Is it email? Can Stalk you- Stalk them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What's yeah. the best way to introduce yourself and get that conversation going? So
2: <laughs> it's kind of like- Twofold. I personally don't like a DM. I get them all the time, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, can't do it. because I'm, I'm like, I'm not a millennial, so I really appreciate an <laughs> email. <When you're> <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Don't Facebook message me. Don't mm-hmm. DM me. Don't but I will say that when we're doing truly grassroots. We will literally just like and comment on everything because it's volume. Mm -hmm. So, like you know, if influencers are getting like eighteen thousand comments, they may not. But if you're popping up in their feed every single constantly, we are. You know, you can still DM like we DM influencers. Sometimes it's just harder because they're getting a lot the same on their page. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what you said. People love to feel like people are looking at their content and liking it. Oh, that's so like a drug. Yes, I mean it's, it's like a drug. It's oh, like they like to the see the comment. Kicks when it like, happens. Yeah. And I am like not ashamed to do some tags. Like, and I'll say to the team, like, just tag that influencer like in everything that you when it's relevant. Like yeah. don't tag them annoyingly. But like I think using the platform comment like you know make sure that you're tagging them on your post it's okay to do a dm and then if you realize you're not getting anywhere then you're like okay but i like the organic nature of it mm-hmm. email you know for influencers that have their emails listed or have media kits or are bloggers because you know bloggers different than an influencer mm-hmm. like reach out to them mm-hmm. especially the bloggers because that's why they are blogging and that's why they have their contact information there that's it's an invitation how, it's an invitation yeah. Yeah. to reach out and i think don't be afraid to do it But just make sure that when you are, it's kind of like there's a little bit of flattery that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And like, what's the value exchange that we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to like and comment and use the platforms to flatter them. And then, you know, go ahead and reach out. Mm -hmm. It's
0: like it doesn't hurt. So the key takeaway that I'm getting from all of this is that it's there's really no shortcut. It is about doing the hard work, engaging, liking, you know, uh, doing your due diligence. There's no magic bullet that's going to make you an overnight success. And amazing
1: social media has yeah. to be social. You yeah. have to have a relationship with people. Yes. It's just like the old days. You didn't just go into um, expect people to buy your product just cuz you had a store out there. You actually had to, you know, get involved in the Chamber of Commerce, you yes. got involved in the community groups and <laughs> Chamber- yeah, the old days, right? The Chamber of <laughs> 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 Commerce. <of laughs> <laughs> 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 what is that? <laughs> anyone under 30 is like, what the hell? The uh, Chamber <laughs> of Commerce. That sounds so lame. Like some people all standing around this dark <laughs> yeah, room in the this round. Better, yeah. yeah. better Business
3: Bureau. Better Business Bureau. I went there. Yeah, yeah the Better
1: Business Bureau. Yeah, that's another one. Sign up for that group. That's really yeah. helpful. But anyhow, that said, it's just about doing the creating relationships. And out of those relationships, hopefully partnerships will be born and grow, not like you would in any other business. So there is no shortcuts. it is very true. And you said
2: it. I mean, authenticity. Like authenticity to your brand. Really know who you are. Don't get so caught up in what everyone else is doing. Like, use your own platforms as research for you. Test and learn. And you do have to invest the time, but invest the time smartly and strategically and go into it figuring out like, what are the things that I'm going to do that are going to be the most powerful? Like, Taking time to film five IGT videos that you can then break into IG stories and post. You know, make sure that if you're going to capture content, that they're using a scheduling tool like Later or Hootsuite, so that you can make sure that you're banking content. Mm -hmm. If you're going to reach out to influencers, have an idea of the type of influencer that you want, what you're going to offer them, and like why is it going to be valuable. If you are creating content, you know, what's my theme? What's working? Make sure that you're constantly checking to see if what you're doing is working and i think too like we get caught up in our own version of what we think is great
3: versus like kool-aid yeah we
2: drink our own kool-aid like listen to what people are saying like read the comments like just pay attention and also don't be afraid to figure out how to tap into hashtags cultural conversations like social holidays where people are Gather together in communities to talk mm-hmm. about, to rally or support something. And that doesn't mean that your Integrity Lash is talking about the election, but what are the things that Integrity Lash is talking about? Mm-hmm. It's women's empowerment. It's feeling mm-hmm. beautiful. It's inclusive. It's, you know, mm-hmm. all these things that enable you to have lashes be part of a relevant conversation. They get more people talking about that topic.
1: Awesome! That's a whole other thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, we were
0: wrapping up. Yeah.
1: We're about to start round two here. <laughs> yes. Kendra,
0: so, you're a delight. Thank, thank you. Thank Kendra. you for having Absolutely. me.
1: Absolutely, It was very exciting. And thank you guys for being here, as always, doing this thing. If
0: people oh, want to find out more about you, Kendra, and yeah. what you're yeah. doing, where can they find you? So I am on social media
2: as Kendra Bracken Ferguson. Um, our company is Brain Trust C-A-A-G-B-G. Our website is braintrustcaagbg.com so come find us thank you so much thank you thank you
1: so I think that about wraps it up uh, we'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash and at lash Cast Podcast. Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast with all your friends. That's what's going to really help us. If this is inspiring and helping you, please go out and do that. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my lash experts, Erica and Tusney, I want to thank you for taking some time out to listen today. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.